Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. From the heart of the Carolinas, a breath of fresh air, a voice of reason, this is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Good morning. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to be back with you. Hope all is well in your world. A lot going on in the news and topping the list. What's going on economically and concern about banks in this country? I want to begin there. You ever have that deja vu feeling? Now, in the counseling I do, and just in interactions with people, you know, we're a society that is very much focused on feelings. And I'm trying to think of the last person who said something to me about how they felt. And I re- replied in the way I reply to most people, especially when they're communicating negativity and things that are not true. I tell people, don't trust your feelings. And that's certainly necessary right now as we deal with this most important subject of really the economic condition of our country and our financial system. I want to make very clear here, I am not interested in participating in panic porn. At the same time, I have, through a variety of sources, for a number of years, before today, The people that I trust who have commented about 2007, 2008, the economic issues we faced then, the people who I have confidence in have communicated the systemic things that caused the meltdown years ago have not been addressed. They haven't. In fact, a strong argument can be made that the banking issues, the way we find ourselves, the situation we find ourselves in now, the potential is there for greater destruction economically. It's a threat that's greater now than it was back then. I want to make clear, I'm not saying that what is going on now is going to lead to something like what we experienced back in 2008. But I do think we need to be aware. So, here's where we start today. Just in discussing what has happened, to put some perspective on this, you'll also hear from your president, who wants to provide assurance that everything is okay vital for him to convince you that that is the case. Drudge banking headlines, U.S. government moves to stop financial crisis. Biden seeks to reassure markets. No losses borne by taxpayer. You'll hear him say this a little bit later on. Let the bailout debate begin. Blame game over Trump regulation rollback. Yes, you're going to hear all of the usual political posturing, blaming this person and that person. Feds close another bank. We'll talk about both of these entities and what happened. And <laughs> panic and partying at South by Southwest. <laughs> Setting the table for the beginning of our discussion today. Before we go into the things that happened over the weekend, we'll just tell you we're talking about two banks. One of them, Silicon Valley Bank. The other, Signature Bank. Both having issues 
over the past few days. And it's in this context that the president thought it necessary to, at the start, the very start of the business week, he thought it important to address these particular issues before he heads out to California. So let's first hear from the president on this before we go into more details about what has happened. The president speaking this morning. The first thing he does, he talks about the actions that the federal government has taken. These are the steps taken to keep this situation under control. Listen up. Today, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the past few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. Small businesses across the country, the deposit accounts at these banks can breathe easier knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. And their hardworking employees can breathe easier as well. Last week, when we learned of the problems of the banks and the impact they could have on jobs of small businesses and banking system overall, I instructed my team to act quickly to protect these interests. And they've done that. They've done that. On Friday, the government regulator in charge, the FDIC, took control of Silicon Valley Bank's assets. And over the weekend, it took control of Signature Bank's assets. Treasury Secretary Yellen and the team of banking regulators have taken action, immediate action. And here are the highlights. First, all customers who had deposits in these banks can rest assured, I want to rest assured they'll be protected and they'll have access to their money as of today. That includes small businesses across the country that bank there and need to make payroll, pay their bills, and stay open for business. No losses will be, and I want, this is an important point, no losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Because of the actions of that because of the actions that our regulators have already taken, every American should feel confident that their deposits will be there if and when they need them. So there you go. The president speaking to this situation first and foremost, saying, look, the depositors have no cause for concern. The Fed has stepped in immediately to make sure that the folks involved have access to their money. That's the first thing. There are other comments that the president makes. We're going to save those for after the break. And I want to get your thoughts on the level of confidence you have. Jim out of Easley already saying, Vince, if Biden says everything is okay, we all darn well know everything is not okay. <laughs> I suspect this is a sentiment that is probably widespread. A great deal of suspicion about whether what he's communicated is actually true. Before we go to break, we'll talk about what happened first. And that was at a bank, Silicon Valley Bank. This is the second largest bank failure in history behind the collapse of Washington Mutual at the height of the 2008 financial crisis. This is the reason for so much concern and why the president today is doing everything he can to provide some reassurance. First off, to the folks connected to that bank. Second off, about the health of the rest of the banking system. We're going to hear more from the president more about the specifics of these situations. Also, get your thoughts as we continue our Monday broadcast. Stay with us.
Back on the Vince Coakley radio program, if you'd like to join the conversation, GS Plumbing Talk Line, 800-928-1110, 800-928-1110. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line, 71307. Wise words on the text line. Why doesn't Biden just save himself the time and effort? Just replay FDR's famous, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself speech. You remember that one? How in the world have people not figured out fractional shares bank will never work in the long run? Keep the printing presses running, and we all pay due to inflation. There is a wise texter right there. Let's talk about more of what has happened and what is being done to address the situation. So you've already heard how the president communicated that the government has stepped in, depositors don't have any cause for fear. Here's the second thing he addressed, and this is something that always makes people feel good. Oh, we're going to make those people pay who screwed this up. Here is the president speaking of punitive action toward those folks who run these banks. The management of these banks will be fired. If the bank is taken over by FDIC, the people running the bank should not work there anymore. Third, investors in the banks will not be protected. They knowingly took a risk, and when the risk didn't pay off, investors lose their money. That's how capitalism works. And fourth, there are important questions of how these banks got into the circumstance in the first place. We must get the full accounting of what happened and why those responsible can be held accountable. In my administration, no one, in my no one is above the law. And finally, we must reduce the risk of this happening again. During the Obama-Biden administration, we put in place tough requirements on banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank including the Dodd-Frank law to make sure that the crisis we saw in 2008 would not happen again. Unfortunately, the last administration rolled back some of these requirements. I'm going to ask Congress and the banking regulators to strengthen the rules for banks to make it less likely this kind of bank failure would happen again and to protect American jobs and small businesses. Look, the bottom line is this. Americans can rest assured that our banking system is safe. Your deposits are safe. Let me also assure you, we will not stop at this. We'll do whatever is needed. Okay, we'll do whatever is needed. <laughs> and, and, and I asked the question all along here. Do you find yourself at a place of reassurance, of comfort? Especially when the president closes with the following words, because he says overall, we've got to look at the big picture. You know what the big picture is? how wonderful it is under the Bush economy. Here's the president. On top of all that, let's also take a look at a moment to put the situation in a broader context. We've made strong economic progress in the past two years. We've created more than 12 million new jobs, more jobs in two years than any president has ever created in a single four-year term. Unemployment is below 4% for 14 straight months. Take-home pay for workers is going up, especially for lower and middle-income workers. And we've seen record numbers of people apply to start new businesses, more than 10 million of them. More than 10 million applications over the last two years starting businesses. Now we need to keep the program, this progress going. That's what swift action that my administration over the past few years is all about. Protecting depositors protecting the banking system, protecting the economic gains we've made together for the American people. Thank you, God bless you, and may God protect our troops. See you in California. And with that, the president goes out to California. Do you find yourself reassured by this? On the line, we have Mark in Charlotte. Are you encouraged by what you've heard from our president? Good morning, Mark. No. And no, sir, I'm not really encouraged. Uh, I guess I'm a little slow, and I don't know a lot about banking, but I know, having worked in government for a number of years, retired from uh, government, that the devil is in the details. And if you look at the big line of people in front of Silicon Valley Bank waiting to get their deposits out, my question is, they fire all the executives, the only people in the bank are low management and maybe some tellers, 25-year-old tellers. 
and the guard lets the people in, and the lady goes to the teller window and says, I want to get my money out. Well, how much do you have? I've got $3,000. I want it in cash. So the teller may be able to provide cash to the first five customers, and then because they don't have Brinks trucks lined around the bank with cash, the next customer is going to present himself and be told by the teller, well, we don't have cash, but we can give you a cashier's check. Oh, by the way, it will be a Silicon Valley Bank cashier's check. And then the customer says, what am I supposed to do with this? And they're told, go deposit it or cash it in another bank. Now, what's going to happen when that cashier's check is presented to another bank today? Because Biden said you could get your money today. I question whether all that's going to work. I think the details are all uh, left obscure. So good luck, uh, (laughs) depositors. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Well, I very much appreciate your call. You know, by the way, I'm sure uh, for those of you, and here we are just, I can't believe we're three months, three months removed from the Christmas season. Gosh, time has flown by. But I, when I hear all this conversation, I think back to It's a Wonderful World. Remember the story? The banking story that drives a good part of it and the run on the bank that takes place. I mean, and I, I'm not expecting this. It would be interesting to see what happens on the ground and how this is walked out. You know, because the government has provided assurance that the people who have deposits in these banks have nothing to fear. It's all under control. Breitbart had a story before this speech about how Silicon Valley venture capitalists screaming for a bailout to respond to the recent sudden collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, the second largest bank failure in history behind the collapse of Washington Mutual, the height of 2008 financial crisis. Jason Calacanis, who is an entrepreneur, said this, you should be absolutely terrified right now. That is the proper reaction to a bank run and contagion. Saying the president and the secretary of the treasury, Janet Yellen, must get on TV and guarantee all deposits up to $10 million, or this will spiral into chaos. Notice that. Ten million. As you know. (laughs) Any case. Entrepreneur Joe Lonsdale insisting he's opposed to bailouts, but nonetheless flirted with the idea of one for the Silicon Valley Valley Bank, tweeting, I'm curious if the innovation world is the only part of our economy that doesn't deserve a depositor bailout. Hmm. Very intriguing to hear this. And again, the assurance from the president, no taxpayer money for any of this. What are you thinking? Stay with us. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. is the Vince Coakley radio program. If you'd like to join the conversation, call Vince on the GS Plumbing talk line at 800-928-1110. That's 800-928-1110. Or text the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line at 71307. Now, back to Vince. Before the break, I was telling you what some entrepreneurs were calling for. A bailout. Before this speech by the president, this is kind of interesting. Can't help but ask, how many equivalent aid packages to Ukraine it takes to resolve the crisis impacting thousands of promising U.S. technology companies? In a follow-up tweet, Lonsdale added, 
to clarify, I'm opposed to bailouts, and it's crazy that well-connected to D.C. debt holders and even equity of banks got bailed out in 2008. Although I understood actions to protect depositors in that crisis. Anderson Horowitz, CEO Ben Horowitz, retweeted a student who responded to a tweet that said, Venture capitalists should not be bailed out by taxpayers. And this is the dumbest, most insensitive crap I read all day. There are small companies that can't make payroll. The domino effect to employees is crushing. Was a response from one person to that tweet. Meanwhile, the CEO and co-founder of the digital signage software company, Inplug, went so far as to say a Silicon Valley bank bailout would cost the taxpayers nothing and would even make taxpayers money. SVP bailout is completely different than bailouts of 2008. Fed stepping in to help depositors would cost the taxpayers nothing. In fact, it would make taxpayers money. Every Inc. co-founder and president, Nathan Bashez, responded, Got to disagree with you on this one. Dunking on venture capitalists is fine, but totally misguided. So you can see the debates underway on social media. What should be the correct response? So I mentioned Silicon Bank. We also had another issue. This one, Signature Bank. New York state regulators shut that bank down, a big lender in the crypto industry. Regulators said all depositors of this institution will be made whole. As with the resolution of Silicon Valley Bank, no losses will be borne by the taxpayer. The statement from the FDIC, we're also announcing a similar systemic risk exception for Signature Bank, New York, which was closed by its state chartering authority. The banking regulators said depositors at Signature Bank will have full access to their deposits, a move similar to what was made to ensure depositors the failed Silicon Valley Bank that they will get their money back. All depositors this institution will be made whole, as with the resolution of Silicon Valley Bank. No losses borne by the taxpayer. You're going to hear that theme over and over and over. In fact, there was an interesting petition drive over the weekend by people concerned that people would not be made whole. They were calling for intervention by the government. But it appears, if what we're hearing now is correct, they have nothing to fear. Congressman Jeff Duncan posting on social media before the weekend, Silicon Valley Bank has just collapsed in what is the second largest bank failure in U.S. history, causing panic in the markets, more questions about the status of our economy. This comes as new economic data shows nearly 25 million Americans are behind on their credit cards, auto loans, personal loans, a number not seen since 2009. It has been a while. I do have some positive news to report as it relates to banking. I wanted to make sure this did not escape notice because this is a positive development in the midst of all of the unfortunate things that are happening in this season. This again, a post from our good friend, Congressman Jeff Duncan. After significant pushback from federal and state lawmakers, Visa, MasterCard and Discover announced they are halting plans to implement the International Organization for Standardization's new merchant code for firearms and firearm accessories. Anti-gun globalists hope this code would help surveil purchases made by gun owners. And Jeff Duncan says this is a huge win for our right to bear arms. And that it is. So I want to make sure that good news is something that does not go unnoticed. What are responses thus far to the actions of the federal government in dealing with these banking situations? 
Vince Biden is an idiot. The federal government has money because of our taxes. So don't say no tax money will be used. Dean says this is why our government's here, to protect the people. I wonder what the story would be if government did nothing. Also this, we probably need to go back to the barter system. Most important, we need Jesus big time and keep him in our lives. Biden and Congress have no scruples giving hundreds of millions of dollars to Ukraine, but will help American companies and investors. But no. Vince, to think our government is more honorable, capable, and ethical than any others is laughable. We will pay, as always, just more BS from our beady-eyed liar-in-chief, Alan, out of Castonia. Bailouts are not what we should be worried about. Bail-ins, where your deposits are converted into equity to save the banking system. See the crisis in Greece for a peek at what will happen. God forbid. Seems like banks are incentivized to act more irresponsibly than before. Unless bankers are held personally and criminally liable, they'll just walk away with a bonus and socialize the losses. Hmm. Also, this text, reckless spending of taxpayer dollars with the Fed printing money to cover it, causes historic high inflation, which causes bonds to fall in value, which causes a bank run, which causes a collapse. Vince, if the government says we're here to help, run, go buy gold. Take it all down, this texter says. We need a crash to reset this mess we are in. Vince, I tried to deposit a $700 check drawn on the same bank as mine. The teller was rude to me. I then went on line to see how much money I had in this bank, over six figures. I then went back to the same teller and demanded a full withdrawal for every cent. The manager begged me not to close my account. I made them give me cash. I had to wait for a truck to bring more cash. Banks don't keep much cash on hand. <laughs> wow. That is pretty interesting stuff, folks. Just a sampling of some of the items on the text line. Speaking of government use of money for private companies, we'll talk about a situation developing closer to home as we continue our Monday broadcast. Stay with us. On the Vince Coakley radio program, this person here communicating what a lot of people do not know. By the way, I encourage you now is a good time, if you haven't already, read the book, Creature from Jekyll Island, to learn about how our banking system works. Vital to understand this. I think, I'll tell you, if people understood this, we'd have a very different country right now. We'd have very different demands being made on discussions we're having politically. This texture brings out a great point. This texture in the upstate. Banks don't keep much cash on hand because it's called fractionalized banking. They only have a fraction of cash on the amount of debt people's deposits. This is There's a whole lot that needs to be understood here. But I'll tell you, <laughs> I'm very skeptical. That people will get up to speed on this, and generally people only pay attention to this when something goes wrong, like now. So, I'm appealing to you, learn more. Learn more about how this works and why these, I think it's safe to say, why so many things are happening in our world. So many things, it's no secret, they're driven by money. And some of the things this country has done are not the result of policy decisions or discussions that happen in the nation's capital. There are things that are going on as a result of the Fed and the International Monetary Fund. Their involvement in events. I mean, do you think, honestly, that we had some sort of beef with Muammar Gaddafi that had anything to do with terrorism or things that happened years ago. Folks, that was all about money. We've discussed that extensively on this broadcast. Money, money, money. So, it's worth 
mentioning. <laughs> Vince, how to suggest we move forward and prepare? <laughs> well, there are people who are much more capable than myself on addressing this subject. I would just strongly encourage you do your own research about money, about things of real value. And I think that's a good start. I want to talk about how your money is being spent close at home. And we addressed this last week. One of the reasons why so many people are skeptical of our financial system. We've got one party that's completely uh, uninterested in taxing and spending policies and their impact on you. We've got another party that pretends to be concerned about this and yet does inexplicable things. Well, here we go. This is a post from the South Carolina Freedom Caucus, a follow-up to what we shared with you last week. The House passed a $1.3 billion incentives package. This is in Columbia. This is to bring Scout Motors Volkswagen to Columbia. The legislature is giving $400 million in cash, taxpayer money, to a private company. This record-breaking, unprecedented government payouts, the grossest instance of crony capitalism in South Carolina history. Government planning and corporate welfare are not pro-business. Ironically, this comes a week after we watched the demolition of the failed Carolina Panthers Stadium, the last record-breaking crony project that crashed and burned, big loss for fiscal conservatism, and another black eye in the Republican supermajority. Again, that's from the South Carolina Freedom Caucus. We'll talk more about this a little bit later on. But understand this. The plan, according to the Associated Press, would allegedly borrow nothing instead, paying the entire amount through surpluses the state has managed to save over the past few years as the COVID-19 pandemic didn't hurt the amount of tax revenue South Carolina collects as much as feared. So the plan is to start building new scout vehicles powered this time by electricity for the first time since 1980. The hope is to hire 400 workers for a $2 billion plant. They're reviving the name and style of the original Scout SUVs made by International Harvester back in the 70s and 80s. Remember that brand? I often wondered what happened. Well, they're bringing it back. After one more routine vote, the proposal goes to the Senate. Members approve the package 96 to 12. This was on Thursday. The state's $1.3 billion will build a new exchange on I-77 and a railroad bridge over the highway for the plant. The state's giving Scout a $200 million loan to stabilize the soil at the site and a $400 million grant for the company to use how it wishes during construction. Boy, wouldn't it be great to get a nice deal like this from the state? Can you go and ask the state for this kind of incentive package? I'm curious. What do you think about this? Love to get your thoughts as we continue. Our number two is straight ahead. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. From the heart of the Carolinas, aiming the cannon of truth at strongholds of stupidity. Who, who are black people supposed to call? Ghostbusters? So we need to stop that beef on or impoverish the cops crap. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And welcome to hour number two of the broadcast. Hope you had a great weekend. I am uh, settling in to this new broadcast week. 
after uh, some travel here in the past few days, uh, as you know, I was not here on Friday, Thursday, went to uh, spend some time with my mother. I mentioned to you, and I want to thank those of you who have been praying for her. Her recovery is coming along well, and I so appreciate those of you who have prayer, prayed for her and uh, also have uh, sent messages of encouragement along those lines. So very much appreciate That was on uh, Thursday. And then over the weekend, I made a visit to, um, where did I go? <laughs> Actually, uh, I made a weekend trip just to uh, just hang out with a friend for a while and uh, had some had some great times there, including going to a movie. And uh, that was a very relaxing and restful weekend. I want to as well remind those of you who are not aware, those of you in the upstates listening to 106.3 WORD, this is the final week for the Vince Coakley radio program on this station. So um, now through Friday will be uh, the opportunity to listen to this broadcast. Uh, those of you who want to continue to follow what happens with me, uh, this program, by the way, I want to emphasize, those of you listening on News Talk 1110 WBT, nothing will change. Uh, so you have nothing to worry about. If you'd like to continue to follow what's going on with Vince Coakley, go to Vince Coakley Facebook page. Um, that is the Facebook page that actually has me, a picture of me, behind the microphone. So if you'd like to connect there or on Twitter, Vince Coakley, that's C-O-A-K-L-E-Y. There are so many people who absolutely butcher that last name. So just a friendly reminder. So there are a couple of you very eager to talk about what's going on economically. Also, what is uh, taking place specifically with our banking system. Let's go first to a call here in Charlotte from Jim. Good morning, Jim. Welcome to the broadcast. Hey, Vince. Uh, yes, sir. Yellen, uh, you know, she's, I think, out of one of the Ivy League schools, I think Stanford. All she's been is in government or indirect government or the Fed all her career. She was in between Bernanke, back in 08 crashed, and Powell as head of the Fed. My memory says the first female to ever run the Fed. And now, with Biden, she's the Treasury person. And all during her tenure, started with Bernanke, the Fed has kept interest at you might say a minus two or three percent. And and the reason I come up with that, they always quoted a quarter percent being the actual Fed fund rate. But we've had, I don't know, on average, two to three percent inflation since then, until of course this past year. According to the government, they said two or three percent. Well take that off the two the quarter point and you get down to a negative actual money rate. Up two to three percent. Consequently, everywhere around here, Vince, we got half million to million dollar houses. Uh, we got fifty to a hundred thousand dollar automobiles now, and um, uh, the sky's the limit. And uh, this this yelling person, even during her tenure at the Fed, keeping the rate at a quarter point. Even when Biden got in, they're still issuing all this money to the citizens, this free COVID, or I call it Wuhan money. <laughs> uh, and and what they've done is destroyed the value of a dollar. Yep. And, and if, if, if you're a person making twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year, that's the biggest tax on you. It's not the federal or state income tax or Social Security Medicare. It's the fact that you may have a little bit of money in your pocket, but you can't buy anything with it. And, and Vince, your, this your ability, your your ability is decreasing. Your spending value is decreasing. Absolutely, Vince. It's the worst tax of all on the lower class and lower income people. 
if, if you don't, if you want to see current proof of it, look in South America. For the last 50, 60 years, they've been issuing fiat currency, devaluing their currency. The inflation rate last year in Argentina was around 100%. Uh, many of those people go- coming across the, the southern U.S. border are from Venezuela. You know, people are, uh, they can't even feed themselves in Venezuela now. One of the biggest oil countries in the world. But a dictator runs it. And so we've got all that economic consequence trying to get into this country, making it even worse. And you know what's wonderful about this, Jim? Jim, the wonderful thing is uh, that these folks are so brilliant because... They can manage it better than everybody else did, Jim. You keep that in mind. They're not going to allow that to happen, of course. But, Vince, <laughs> Yellen, uh, she's the person who wanted to tax the world's businesses at 15%. Have everybody pay a 15% tax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she's a committed globalist. The mentality we have to deal with in this country. Biden's never had a job. I I don't know, Vince. I'm I'm getting very concerned about the country. I I think you're very concerned for good reason, Jim. Very much appreciate your call. Uh, this is an international plan. This is not an America plan. It's not. And ultimately, if we think we're going to do the same things that other countries have done and get away with it, our delusion is much greater. You know, what helps us is the fact that we have the reserve currency. But I think that's only going to help for some period of time. That's not unlimited unlimited time to work our way out of this thing. Uh, Gary out of Huntersville, good morning and welcome. You have about a minute, Gary. Okay, Vince, how you doing? I'm glad your mom's doing well. This thing uh, with Biden's speech about, uh, you know, nobody's going to lose any money or this or that, you know, they talk about how they created 12 million jobs. No, they didn't. They just replaced the 12 million that lost during COVID. He had nothing to do with that. And who else is going to pay for this? We are. Yes, in some way, shape, or form. Yes, some way, shape, or form, we will pay for this. Uh, very much appreciate your call there, Gary. And the message about inflation is something we dare not ignore. That is where... Our wealth is being eaten away. And as we continue to have a government that has no limits at all on spending, this problem will only get worse and worse. And the folks at the top, the folks, and when I say the top, I'm not talking about, I'm not attacking rich people. I'm talking about the elitists who are continuing this pattern of destroying our currency, destroying our wealth. Those are the folks who are doing what could be permanent damage to this country. Much more as we continue the broadcast. Stay with us. And back on the Vince Coakley radio program. Other things in the news, aside from money issues, and those things are important. I don't want to downplay those. We have a presidential contest that is going to be heating up. And this is especially interesting because this will be a second presidential candidate for South Carolina in the form of Senator Tim Scott. The Hill reporting about his increasingly likely entrance into the 2024 presidential race. His argument, he could be a voice for unity in a party that's become dominated by grievance politics. My goodness. Scott has not made a formal decision on running for president. He's moved quickly, laid the groundwork for a campaign. He started hiring staffers and courting would-be donors, headlining the closing dinner of the Club for Growth's annual donor retreat in Palm Beach, Florida, last weekend. His message so far, one of optimism. He's railed against what he calls the Democrats' politics of victimhood and despair. Also laid out a lofty vision for a new American sunrise. 
Hmm. The Hill characterized this as a tempting message for some Republicans who've grown weary of the grievance-driven politics of the era of former President Trump. Yet many Republicans say they're unsure of Scott's prospects in a GOP primary, arguing his themes of optimism and unity may not get him far. With a conservative base eager for a fight. (laughs) Folks, before I share any more of this, this really... Um, I think there's some substance here that I've been expressing concern about for quite some time. I'm not hearing a good bit of the optimism out of, uh, let me put it this way. I, I need to rephrase that. I wonder if there is an appetite for a message of optimism as opposed to a message of gloom and doom and fear and panic and hatred and division and let's go take down the liberals. I, I, this has become very wearying to me. I don't know about you. It's very wearying to my soul. It's not a message that resonates with me. The optimism is in doing something about the problems and the issues, not attacking people, but going in with a real agenda to make a change. And thus far, I'm not hearing it. All the things we talked about in the first hour, for instance, with the economic issues, you know, again, when is somebody going to come out on the Republican side, why does it have to be a Ron Paul to come out and, and say we need to audit the Fed and ultimately we need a currency system in this country that is not controlled by private banks? This is where the rubber hits the road. You know, I'm not interested in cat fights with whomever and having stupid arguments. I think I laid out some days ago a positive agenda for freedom economically and beyond how we help people and as a nation we get our sovereignty back and we began reducing the size of government because I do think in some ways what we've presented on the Republican side has been another version of victimhood and despair. I'll continue on here. This Republican strategist, obviously everyone is trying to figure out what lanes there are in the primary or how many lanes there are, but I think Republicans right now are angry. And I don't know if Tim Scott captures that. This is a really tricky proposition because you've got to be able to, and and don't get me wrong here, I think there's an anger that is justified and has to be tapped into, but it's then got to be redirected into doing something positive and encouraging for the country. It can't just park there. And it can't just be a thing where we just rev up people's anger and sense of grievance. It's got to have an end. It's got to have a purpose that says, okay, I know, you're, I know you're angry, but you know what? This is the fundamental problem. Let's go to Washington and fix it. Indeed, Scott's political brand is a far cry from that of someone like Trump, who used his remarks to the Conservative Political Action Conference last weekend to telegraph a 2024 campaign of retribution. In a speech at Drake University in Des Moines last month, some Republicans saw as a warm-up to a presidential stump speech. Scott criticized President Biden, accusing him of exploiting the painful parts of America's past, but he also struck a note of unity, describing himself as a messenger of hope. Hmm. I see 330 million Americans getting back to celebrating our shared blessings again, tolerating our differences again, and having each other's backs again. This is what I see. A new American sunrise even brighter than before. This is great. I'm all for this. 
Now, I want to make sure you, you understand what I'm saying here. This is not an endorsement of Tim Scott. But I'm saying this is part of an important message that needs to be communicated. I want to do all the things I described to you before in getting rid of big government. But it has to be connected to a message of unity and hope. One that's going to go beyond even a message to Republicans. Because I do think this kind of message will resonate with a lot more people than we realize. Independents and Democrats alike. Doug High, Republican strategist who first met Scott during his time in the House, said the South Carolina senator isn't the kind of person to back down from a fight, but described him as a kind of happy warrior who could offer voters a much-needed change from Trump's combativeness. Hmm. There are those voters, but that's not the entire party or the entire primary voter makeup. He's aggressive. He's a fighter. But he does so with a smile on his face. And after six years of Donald Trump, there's an exhaustion for a lot of people who want new voices and fresh voices. And I think Scott represents that very well. For now, no solid timeline for a potential campaign announcement. Scott's the only black Republican in the Senate. He's on a listening tour of the country, set to take him back to Iowa and South Carolina over the next month or so. The travel is going to continue to pick up, according to one person. He's been well-received everywhere he's gone so far. What that actual date means, well, we don't know. The listening tour is going to continue and help inform those decisions. What do you think about a Scott candidacy? And will this message resonate with you? Are these things that you care about? I'd love to get your thoughts. Stay with us. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. If you'd like to join the conversation, call Vince on the GS Plumbing Talk Line at 800-928-1110. That's 800-928-1110. Or text the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line at 71307. Now, back to Vince. And we are back on the broadcast. Let's go out to a call from Tony out of Matthews. Good morning, Tony. Hey, how you doing, Vince? All right, sir. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I had called and um, uh, spoke to one of your um, people to answer the phone, and I just told them that um, the thing that I wanted to tell you is that I'm really not understanding how is it that you honor nothing black nothing okay let's start here what is black would you define that for me listen that i mean that that's that's the problem right now that's 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 politics right okay now. you've got the problem tony because you're not answering the freaking question that, that you know exactly okay goodbye tony i'm not dealing with this crap today or any day. Let me draw my line in the sand again. And I, cause I mentioned this some days ago. I am tired of the soul patrol. The people who think they can define what is black. See, this, this whole conversation shuts down with that one question, doesn't it? Would you define black to me? What is black? What is that? Am I supposed to embrace everything that black people do? Are white people supposed to embrace everything that white people do? Asians. Then we go into breakdown of men. Do I embrace everything men do? Women. Should they embrace everything women do? This is nonsense, folks. And it's time to stop the nonsense. I'm not going to put up with it here. If you can't define your terms, we don't have cause for discussion. 
because we can't even, you know, agree on blacks, even among even among black people. There are debates about who is genuinely black. Hey, there are questions about whether Kamala Harris is black because she has no roots in so-called black America. So this whole conversation just descends into stupidity. And I would just tell you, Tony, if you'd like to call back and begin with that and tell me who is black, what is black? How do you define black? And it reminds me of our discussion some days ago about the guy who does Dilbert. Remember the poll that was cited? That ought to be a much bigger news story than it is. You have about half of this country, half of the blacks, according to that survey, who cannot even affirm the idea that it's okay to be white. I'm just putting this out there. I'm just... My mind is blown. Mm -mm. This texture saying, thank you for not catering to group mentality. I just don't. This is about individuals. The older I get, the more I'm interested in being an individual, and the more I'm interested in encouraging people to be individuals, not buying into some sort of group identity. That's where I live. And I welcome any conversation. But I'm also going to tell you, you're going to call on this broadcast. You're going to define your terms. <laughs> By the way, isn't it interesting? I just talked about a potential candidacy from Tim Scott, who is black. Do you embrace Tim Scott? Would you like to see him as president? I'm curious. Is he black enough for you? I don't know. Just putting this out there. Curious story that I've not had the opportunity to address. Uh, Dean on the text line. Good morning to the perfect blend of faith and current events. It's about time. <laughs> I see the Mexican drug cartel issued a formal apology. We actually meant to kill other people. Such a stand-up bunch of guys. Dean is making reference to a bizarre event that occurred in Mexico. BBC's version of this, four Americans kidnapped by a drug cartel, two of them murdered when they visited the town of Matamoros. Why would the cartel apologize for the incident and hand over its own gunman to the police? A letter left with the cartel gunman, who had been trussed up and left on the roadside, accused them of acting under their own decision-making and lack of discipline. Breaking cartel rules over protecting the lives of the innocent. Oh my gosh. It was signed by the Scorpions Group, a splinter faction of the powerful Gulf Cartel. The letter points to this strange, misplaced sense of civic duty, which many Mexican cartels claim to possess. Despite the widespread fear they sow through extortion, murder, kidnapping, groups like the Gulf Cartel and their rivals, the Sinaloa Cartel profess a twisted code of ethics under which they believe they're looking out for the most vulnerable in Mexican society. That warped understanding of compassion and altruism does not extend to undocumented migrants who are routinely kidnapped, raped, and murdered. Nor are local businesses exempt from paying extortion for merely operating on their territory. The tax applied to everyone, from multinational companies to small, family-run convenience stores. Yet there's a logic to the cartel's code of behavior particularly in remote and rural parts of Mexico and poor mountainous communities where organized crime often fills the role left by the state. One need only look at the response after natural disasters. When hurricanes and earthquakes hit the western state of Guerrero, criminal gangs, did you know this? They distributed emergency supplies and bags of food, even stamped with their cartel's distinctive initials. A similar phenomenon seen during the worst moments of the COVID lockdowns. The cartels also consider themselves the maintainers of community order, handing out brutal summary justice to child rapists or thieves who operate outside their purview. They are the judge, jury, and executioners, often literally. In that context, 
The decision to hand over their own gunmen after the debacle in Matamoros adds up. A mistake happened. An apology made. The culprits handed in. Case closed. Even Mexican drug cartels are aware of the power of good PR. This is not a bizarre story. Absolutely bizarre story. (laughs) My goodness. Love to get your thoughts as we continue the broadcast. Stay with us. Back of the Vince Coakley radio program, the final stretch on this Monday. Let's go out to more South Carolina and Ron. Good morning, Ron. Morning, Vince. I yes, just, sir. Uh, I just have a quick comment, and yeah, I'm an older man. I'm a lot older than you, but I got to say this. <laughs> I am so tired of hearing this craziness about who's black, who's white. Chinese people, they're, they're yellow. Uh, you know, God created man, and, uh, you know, some people, you know, what color was Jesus? Well, when uh, Jesus roamed the earth, when he was here, I'm sure he wasn't uh, white. And like I said, I've, I know the difference between black and white. I have never met a person of color that was black. Might be a little, have a better tan than me. And then I look at my skin and I'm really not white. (laughs) (laughs) And I think this is so idiotic. And I I hate that. I really do. I just despise it. I went, when I went to school, most of my friends, I was on a track team and stuff. Most of my friends in high school we're, you know, people of a different color. We're all buddies. We didn't, we didn't care what, you know, you know, look at, oh, the I color in person. I, I have to ask, I have to ask you a quick question here because we're kind of short on time. Do you see this situation getting better or worse in recent years? Um, I would say it's, it, it, it's kind of getting worse because look. You know, I, I lived, went through the 60s and 70s. I was, you know, in, in the Army and stuff during Vietnam. We're all brothers, you know. Yeah. You know, we, it, it, but it, it looks like we're going backwards, you know. And uh, I, I I just hate even hearing this stuff. Yep, know, black, I, black and white. Black and, uh, or white, you know. White I, sort of, I hear you, Ron. Crap, you know. I I hear you. I think a lot of people, uh, what you say uh, resonates with them because um, the I thought the goal was always for us to be people who focus on the content of character and not on the color of skin. And increasingly, it's become all about identity, color, race, sex, sexual identity. I mean, it's just endless. This texter. Reason someone bringing up your blackness makes you angry because there's a conviction when you know you don't speak positively when it comes to black issues. Yes, there are black issues. <laughs> See, do you hear this again? What is a black issue? And texter, you know, you've sent this message in. Why don't you call and let's have a conversation? But I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. I'm going to ask you to find what is, quote, blackness. And who is the arbiter of who is black? Because that's what this is all about. If you do not participate in our version of being black, you're a sellout. I mean, it's the same tired garbage. And the unfortunate thing is people don't realize the, the hate that is encapsulated in that. Time for us to take a look at the day in history. We have a total of 10 items here. 
Good morning. How are you doing today, Chris? I am ready to once again prove that races can work together by doing Day in History with my good friend, Vincent Coakley. <laughs> All right. Well, thank that you. Ebony and Ivory song. Oh, there you go. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I will not sing that. We'll spare people. Let's try to zip through this quickly. 1781, Sir William Herschel discovered the planet Uranus. 1793, Eli Whitney patented this. Cotton gin. Yes, yes, yes. 1852, the first appearance of a drawing of the personification of the federal government. Who is the person we always refer to as representative? Uncle, Uncle Sam. Sam. This was in the New York Lantern. 1877, Chester Greenwood got a patent for this. We put this on... Uh, a lot of people wear these, especially in cold places, to uh, keep warm, to protect... You know, it's one of the places where the heat it's goes out quickly. Chester Greenwood, not Chester Mittens. Because <laughs> if it Chester Mittens, I'd well, say Chester Mittens. I'll tell you, it's go, something goes on your head. Toboggan? Actually, earmuffs. Okay, very Earmuffs good. Very good. was the invention. I'm wearing Eight, them now. 1881, Sar. Tsar Alexander II assassinated by the People's Will, a revolutionary group. I thought Fauci was the Tsar Tsar. Oh my goodness. Ah, no, that's a different one. <laughs> 1918 women scheduled to march on the New York City St. Patrick's Day parade due to a shortage of men. 1973, <laughs> this was a bizarre trade. The, the Kikich Peterson swap, it included wives and pets. Can you believe this? Bizarre. You don't want to break up a set. Yeah, exactly. you got to keep this all together. 1985, <laughs> Gorbachev became the leader of the USSR. 1991, Exxon paying a billion dollars in fines to clean up uh, the Alaskan oil spill. In 2005, Bob Iger, chief of Disney. We had to zip through this list pretty quickly because we're out of time. In fact, I've got to go. Have yourselves a great day, folks, and be safe out there. God bless you. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.